And the oil price right now is trading at $36.35 a barrel. Gold is uh, is rallying in Asian trading. It's up at $1,645 an ounce. In the currency markets, the Japanese yen is at uh, 104.5 against the US dollar. And Asian stocks getting absolutely clobbered this morning. The SX200 in Australia, it's down about uh, 2.5%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan down a similar amount. Uh, over in South Korea, the Cosby is off 1%. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to slip over 2% at the open. That will take its losses to about 550 points on the index. I'll be back tomorrow morning with further updates on what's going on in the financial and markets and business world. Before I go, the weather forecast for today, cloudy, few rain patches in the morning, bright periods in the afternoon. Uh, the maximum temperature is going to be um, around 23 degrees. There's a strong monsoon signal in force this morning. It's going to be foggy and humid tomorrow and the weather will improve in the following couple of days. It's 19 degrees right now, 86% relative humidity. Back check coming up after the news. 8.31 with that news, here's Samantha Butler. The Italian government has announced that all shops, restaurants and bars are being closed as the country tries to contain the worst outbreak of the coronavirus outside China. Only essential services such as food stores and pharmacies will remain open. Here's the BBC's Will Leonardo. The Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte said the new measures would be implemented from Thursday and last two weeks to allow them to have an effect in lowering the infection rate. As well as shops and bars being shuttered, all companies will have to close departments that aren't essential to production. Italy reported nearly 200 more deaths on Wednesday, taking the total to over 800. More than 12,000 people have been infected and in the worst hit northern regions, the health service is struggling to cope. The country has already imposed stringent measures to contain the spread of the virus. Travel has been severely restricted, public gatherings banned and residents told to stay at home. A rise in cases in Denmark has prompted its government to close all schools and universities for two weeks. Public sector employees who don't perform critical jobs are being sent home on paid leave. India is suspending most visas for travel to the country until mid-April. The Dow in New York closed down nearly 6%, sinking into bear market territory for the first time since the 2008 financial crash due to investor fears of the global outbreak. The BBC's Samira Hussein in New York, New York says there's also a sense the Trump administration has been slow to act. I think that's being reflected on U.S. financial markets. That's why you saw these really big drops. Remember, we heard from President Donald Trump on Monday who said that they are going to put in some sort of economic stimulus. It's been two days and no one on Wall Street has heard anything about any concrete plans. And I think that has put a lot more uncertainty into the minds of investors because they continue to be worried about the economic impact of the coronavirus globally. Globally, and now they're concerned about what this government, if anything, can do to try and help. The SAR government has criticised comments made about Hong Kong in a US State Department report on human rights. Hong Kong escaped major criticism, but there were concerns about the police and the political screening of election candidates. Robert Kemp reports. The report mentioned accusations of police brutality, including the August the 31st beating of passengers by police on a train at Prince Edward Station. It also pointed to the alleged delayed police response to the attack by white-shirted thugs on July the 21st in Yunlong. Both incidents were linked to the large-scale social unrest here, sparked by the now-withdrawn extradition bill. On civil liberties, it noted that democracy activist Joshua Wong had been barred from running in November's district council elections. 
In response, the SAR government said protecting human rights and freedoms was a constitutional duty. It also praised the police, saying they had been facing unprecedented violence, saying foreign governments should not interfere in the SAR's internal affairs. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today, Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. A couple of topics today. After nine o'clock, we're going to be talking to a leading public health expert about how Hong Kong and other places have approached the virus and where they've succeeded and where they've failed. So do line up any questions you might have on that subject. But in the first part of the programme now, we're going to be focusing on education. The Education Bureau last month extended the suspension of kindergartens, primary and secondary schools in force since February the 3rd until April the 20th at the earliest. Yesterday, a respiratory medicine expert said universities and secondary schools could reopen first if no locally transmitted infections were recorded for four weeks, followed by primary schools and kindergartens later. Do you agree? Most schools in Macau are reopening before April the 20th. What do you think about here? Are people ready, schools, parents and students for the classes to resume? Are there enough masks? What about taking public transport to school? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page as ever, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can give us a call and our telephone number is 233-88266. We'd love to hear from you, 233-88266. Or you can drop us an email, backchat at rthk.hk is the address, backchat at rthk.hk. Joining us for our first topic now, we have with us now Education Secretary uh, legislator uh, Ipkin Yim. Mr. Ip, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Okay, um, have you been talking to the administration? What's your sense about uh, when schools might go back? What are the sort of guidelines? What's the thinking? I think the, the, uh, uh, the date uh, now uh, the Education Bureau has set is uh, April the 20th. Uh, it makes sense. Uh, but it would very much depend on the development of the uh, situation. Uh, if, the, if there is further uh, confirmed cases in the future, I think we will have we, the only choice is to postpone the date to resume the classes. Uh, so uh, I think the experts' uh, advice make a lot of sense to, to us that uh, if there is no record for, for a period of uh, 28 days, that is four weeks, uh, uh, no, then, then we can start to resume schools. Uh, the date of uh, April 20th uh, is very uh, similar to that in 2003. If uh, assume that the, the, the situation uh, may be related to the motor temperature, uh, if summer comes and uh, the uh, the situation may be improved. Uh, so uh, in 2003, uh, the date for resuming class was April 22nd. Mm. So I think about April 20th is similar to that. And in 2003, uh, in Hong Kong, we also adopted a facial you know, uh, resumption of classes. So uh, it started from uh, senior secondary students. So I think about this yeah, we might start from university and then secondary, primary, and then kindergarten. So I think it makes sense. But this year will be different from dual three because it has developed into a pandemic. So uh, uh, after resuming classes, I think we will have to stay alert. 
But Mr. Ip, isn't it the case that some of the international school kids are already going back in? Yes, I, I think that is only limited to those who have to take, uh, public, uh, for example, the IBT examination. Uh, so the, the only only the uh, most senior form. Um, and I think there are certain restrictions. I'm not very clear about the situation, but I, I was told that uh, it's not a full uh, resumption of classes. Mm. And, and looking around, it seems that the policy varies hugely from country to country. Uh, and France, apparently, Macron has said nothing about closing schools. What do you think about that? Uh, you mean which country? Uh, yeah, Macron? France has yeah. no intention France. to close schools as of yeah, now. I think, well... Uh, but I think, well, uh, we have more and more countries closing schools. And there are certain countries, uh, I'm not sure about France, but Singapore is also not closing school. Uh, but uh, the recent news is that even Denmark is also considering closing schools, Austria is also closing schools, and of, of course Italy. Uh, I think uh, uh, even UNESCO is, is considering uh, there will be a, a very uh, big scale, a large scale of closing schools uh, around the world. So uh, we are now facing a very uh, very unique situation. We, we never you know, come across this kind of situation in the world uh, in the past, uh, that we, uh, we are having so such a long time of closing schools in so many places. So I think well, we have to uh, cope with this, this situation. And in Hong Kong, uh, the suspension of classes is uh, particularly long. So uh, we have experienced uh, already two months, and, and we are approaching the third month. So I think well, uh, the close, closing of schools have a lot of impact on students' life. And, of course, there were closures in the uh, last year as well during the during disturbances. Oh, yes. Yeah. OK, our number is 233-88266. We've got a caller on the line now. I think John. John, good morning. Um, I'd like to make some comments about the HKEA's readiness for administering the DSE exam. I mean, they have done their very best in minimizing the health risks. Um, for example, they've come up with a list of precautionary measures, such as uh, requiring all candidates to wear surgical masks during the examination, uh, asking them to complete a health declaration form, uh, asking them to wrap their hands um, by the... Uh, sanitizer gel provided before entering the exam center. Um, also, uh, if they, um, for some reason, uh, cannot see the exam uh, due to issues arising from the coronavirus, they can be given, uh, given a maximum of level five in that particular subject. I, I think they've been looking into the possibility of uh, relocating some school hall centers to classrooms so that candidates can maintain a safe distance with one another. Um, but what is uh, quite worrying uh, is the speaking exams where students need to, you know, constantly talk uh, in a classroom setting and saliva can easily spill over the lips. Um, uh, I know they uh, require all candidates to wear surgical masks. Uh, that can be of help, but um, it's important um, that they need to make sure that masks can meet certain standard requirements. Um, those are the comments from me. Uh, yeah. Are you a teacher? Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I'm a school teacher, uh, teaching in local secondary school. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, I mean, uh, during the cl uh, class suspension, um, 
we, we also need to uh, ensure that students keep learning, uh, making sure that they don't uh, lag behind and, and so on. Uh, do you think those measures are adequate? Are you reassured by those or do you think they should be tougher or they're too tough or what? Uh, I think it's it's absolutely fine uh, as long as uh, the logistics can be sorted out. Because uh, you know, uh, if they need to relocate some exam centres to uh, classrooms, if they need to make sure that there there is there are enough classrooms that they can use as exam centres. But since uh, the class session uh, has been extended uh, till sixteenth of April, it uh, should be fine. Um, uh, and the, the subjects that require uh, more exam venues uh, should be the core subjects, like the Chinese, English, uh, math and liberal studies. And do you think that this year's crop, do you, do you think they've got a fair chance? Do you think it's OK? Uh, can you say again? Do you think it's fair on this year's, you know, students? Because they might think, you know, they've had, they've had such a tough year, it's not fair on them compared to previous years. Obviously, there are a lot of uncertainties uh, in students' mind. Uh, 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 the uncertainties obviously will create some kind of panic, anxiety, and so on. But I think we need to do our utmost uh, to make sure that things uh, can uh, be done uh, uh, in a uh, fair way. Mm. And I think the authorities have done their best. Uh, regarding the uh, school closures, um, I mean, um, uh, perhaps Hong Kong can follow what Macau uh has done. Uh, they have uh, set uh, two conditions uh, on class resumption, for, uh, and one of which is that um, if there is no new cases, no new confirmed cases in Macau and, and uh, Guangdong for four, 14 consecutive days, uh, classes should resume. I think Hong Kong should uh, set something similar uh, so that there is uh, a list of criteria in place uh, so that we can have an objective analysis of the situation. Mm. John, many thanks for your call. Has it been, has it been uh, tough for you? How has it been, you know, having uh, to... Yeah, this is a very good question. I think uh, most of the time people just uh, are concerned about the well-being of students. I think the well-being of teachers uh, is of equal importance. I mean, we've been doing a lot of uh, real-time uh, lessons with students. We've been preparing learning resources for students. And um, it's obviously not the same. It's obviously not the same when we can provide uh, pastoral care uh, for students at school. And I look forward to meeting my students back uh, after class suspension. Mm. John, many thanks for your call. Uh, Thank you. Much appreciated. Two three three eight eight two six six. Uh, we'd love to hear from people. Uh, Mr. I mean, is this you know overall is this going to be fair? I just think that it's so tough this year on on teachers and students. Uh, you know, is there an argument for like scrapping the exams this year and and kind of starting again next year? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's fair among the people of the same cohort. Uh, mm. For this year, we all experienced similar situations, but if we try to compare with the past years. Obviously, I think the students this year uh, have to face a much tougher situation. So, uh, but but I think well, that's like. Um,
at least for the people of the same cohort. Well, also joining us now, we have uh, Henry Tong, Chairman of the Committee on Homeschool Cooperation. Mr Tong, good morning to you. Hello, Mr Tong. Hello, Henry. Hello, yes. Yeah, oh, hi, 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 hey, Henry. Hey, yeah. yes, Thank you very much indeed for, for, uh, for, for joining us uh, today. What's, what's your take on this and the, and the Committee on Homeschool Cooperation? When do you think schools should go back and how should that be done? Well, uh, parents are mostly uh, concerned with the health of their children. And uh, parents have heard from uh, professors that uh, uh, the school shouldn't really resume until there are 28 days of no new infection in Hong Kong. And I think uh, that is a good uh, guideline to follow. But, but Henry, that might not be for months. Uh, well, uh, 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 there should be a balance uh, between like learning and, uh, and health of children. And uh, we have seen that uh, in the past one month or two months, uh, the, the online learning uh, activities has been going on. Uh, there has been problem with the online learning, but generally uh, uh, parents are getting used to online learning. And uh, uh, with that in mind, I think uh, protecting the health of our children is important uh, too. So when you get the, the typical dragon mom, how does she line up beside care and for the health of her child and um, desire for uh, stellar exam results? Uh, I think uh, for uh, uh, for for uh, uh, for exam results, uh, the DSC uh, will go. Uh, the DDB has declared that DSC will go on on uh, March twenty seventh, and uh, I don't think uh, there there should be too much concern about uh, ex- uh, exam results, open exam results. Uh, but for but uh, for uh, for for in school uh, exam results, I think there are ways that uh, school that. They can make assessment uh, through through online assessments and and assignments uh, rather than like taking taking tests inside the school. Okay. Now I've been hearing some quite specific and worrying reports of how when you have these big classes online and the teacher is, um, you know, supposedly on there too, that there's a degree of chat in between the students while the class is in progress, and this could give give rise, I'm hearing, to some online bullying in and witnessed by the whole class. Uh, with the teacher not necessarily hearing it, um, how do you guard against this kind of thing? Well, well, uh, I have been uh, advocating to parents that uh, uh, in during this difficult time, uh, they should uh, pay close attention to the online learning activities of their children, and uh, parents should keep education and reminding uh, their their children on uh, online etiquette, and also, of course, uh, uh, these uh, students uh, should. Uh, avoid uh, any online bullying, and uh, parents should play uh, play an important uh, role uh, in this uh, regard. And I've been advocating that to parents. So you think parents should hover around and keep an eye and an ear out during the online learning sessions? Uh, I think uh, uh, parents should uh, uh, should uh, uh, be micromanaging uh, in in that way. But uh, but I think during this uh, special period, uh, children stay home and parents also uh, reduce their outside activities. And when uh, parents and uh, children have more family time, uh, they should uh, uh, spend more time on on uh, moral education and uh, etiquette and uh, ethical uh, discussion uh, too. Okay, our number is 233-88266. And uh, we've got another caller on the line, Mr. Tang. Mr. Tang, good morning. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, I was just talking to 30-plus parents yesterday on the phone. Uh, you're you're to, a teacher, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a teacher. Uh, I was trying to gauge the progress of the students, whether mm. it's, uh, it's in terms of learning or uh, other stuff. And 
it seems that most of the parents wanted uh, their kids to go back to school as soon as possible because uh, <laughs> they don't want the kids to be idling at home. Yeah. Uh, usually, uh, we would uh, offer live stream lessons. Uh, they would turn up, the kids would turn up, uh, but then you have no idea whether or not they're really paying attention to what you're saying. And sometimes when you give them assessments or assignments uh, online, um, they will turn in their assignments, but usually late, and sometimes they would not respond to calls or text messages by teachers, uh, and, and it's quite difficult to chase them after for homework, actually. Mm. Mm. So, so d- discipline is a problem, really? Discipline is a problem, because when we are using Zoom online, mm. uh, there is no way you can tell whether or not they are really doing uh, the classwork you, you have devised them to do, and sometimes they would just uh, turn up at the chat room, but then uh, when you ask a question, they wouldn't respond. When you ask them to type something, they wouldn't respond either. And it's really difficult uh, in terms of learning. But um, what, is, what is more difficult is that uh, sometimes you want to see what, what, how they're doing emotionally uh, at home. But uh, when, when you cannot see them in person, it's very difficult to communicate. And so that, that's the, quite a challenge for us. Mm. Uh, if you're the Mr. Tang who emails us uh, occasionally, thank you very much indeed for your yeah, contributions. Yeah. They're always okay. they're always very thoughtful. Uh, much ah, appreciated. You, what What are your thoughts on on going back? Um, do you think that you know this idea of waiting for basically a month after there are no cases? Do you think that's feasible? Do you think that uh, that's the best way to do it? I I think that's feasible, and I, I actually a lot of teachers are looking forward to that idea because. Uh, we, we have a syllabus to cover, and we have lost so many teaching days already. So if we can go back to school in phases, I think that would be a good idea, because uh, it, the senior classes, the Form 5 and Form 6, uh, they actually need some instructions or, or further teaching from us. So if we can go back in phases, and as long as we have enough face masks or hand sanitizers that go around, uh, things would be okay. Now, that, that's a point, isn't it? The number of face masks that w- would be required um, has been raised already. Um, how, would that, how would that be dealt with? Would the schools be, be handing them out, or would you expect the kids to provide them? Or Rip Kinyon, do you have any thoughts on that? Where, where would you get the masks from? You mean the masks? Um, yeah. I think well, the masks is uh, a big problem, actually. You know, uh, uh, we have uh, almost a million uh, students in Hong Kong uh, from kindergarten up to university. So uh, if uh, uh, each student consumes one uh, face mask each day, that means we will have to you know, consume uh, millions of, not, uh, of masks. Uh, one million, one day, and, and, and a month of 20 school days, it will be 20 million. So it's a huge number. Um, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very big problem. Where, where, where are we going to you know, get those masks in hand? Uh, I, think, I think kids from uh, middle-class families are better off. Usually their families would be able to get hold of some masks. So they can have their own masks. They don't have to ask the schools for masks. But for uh, you know, kids from uh, less well-off families, they, they may have difficulty getting masks. Yes, we have such a problem, and uh, and actually, I think well, uh, if we are talking about you know, the students who are now staying at home, you know, uh, they won't they, they can save some miles uh, uh, during these these days. But if they are asked to go back to school, they have to wear masks, uh, or, or else it will become a dangerous place. Dangerous place, and 
Do you, do you think that the, the government or someone should supply those masks? Because you've got a weird situation in the civil service, to be honest, where it's a kind of mixed thing. I mean, you get these messages apparently saying it, they're like clothes and you should just provide them yourself. On the other hand, the civil service does provide some masks. So what should be the situation in schools, do you think? I, I think for, for uh, some... Actually, I think for, uh, the, uh, just now uh, the gentleman what the gentleman said is correct. Because some of the families may be able to afford uh, to um, provide them with masks, but uh, many of the families are, are in shortage of masks. So I think uh, we have to find out a solution for them. And the government should work with the schools and also the parents to try to find out a solution before we can make sure that we have a good solution uh, no, the resumption of class will be uh, uh, practically a uh, difficulty. Mm. Henry Tong, what do you think on that? On that? Yeah, from, uh, from what I've heard from parents recently, it's more difficult to get children's masks uh, for primary school and kindergarten children than adults' masks for uh, secondary school students. So I think uh, the government should really focus on helping uh, primary school and kindergarten to get children's uh, masks. Okay. Well, uh, Mr. Tong, thank you very much indeed. I mean, uh, the caller, teacher, Mr. Tong, thank you very much. Tang, sorry, thank Tang. Very thank you very much indeed for, for, okay, for, for joining you. us uh, this morning. Uh, okay, this is an email from uh, Neil who says, I have two children in an international school. Importantly, my children are not studying for exams. Uh, if they were, I would be extremely worried. Homeschooling has been good and bad. Good that I can now see the standard of teaching. Some of the work sent out has been very interesting. And presentation skills for some teachers are really very engaging. And I can see why those teachers are popular. Bad that some of the teachers have a fire-and-forget mentality. Send out the homework and that's it. Some are incredibly boring. Children are smart and my children don't bother doing the homework of the fire-and-forget teachers because, sure enough, that teacher forgot. My eldest has had to work past midnight to finish the schoolwork while the youngest can finish by 10.30. Mark, to be honest, online learning is not a replacement for in-school learning. However, my own learning in maths and poetry has improved. Physical education appears to have been forgotten. I believe there is really no choice but to keep on paying school fees. If the school was to close, I doubt I could find an alternative. Honestly, with the protests, the disruption caused by COVID-19 and the future expectations of more protests to come in the summer, I'm looking overseas for schooling and, more importantly, stability with my children's education. That comes uh, from Neil. Ipkin Yoon, have you heard that from other people? We've been reading a little bit about that, about people leaving uh, or just thinking of education overseas now because it's too unstable in Hong Kong? I think, uh, uh, yes, we have been hearing uh, this kind of uh, expression. Uh, you know, people ex do express this kind of intention. Uh, but for the time being, I think uh, the situation is getting a little bit complicated because if you want to uh, leave for some other places, you know, where are you going to leave? Uh, so where are you going to head for? Uh, uh, you know, uh, in different places, we are facing similar problems. Um, um, I think, well, but but in Hong Kong, I think the situation is more complex because you know, even after uh, the the the, uh, you know, the closure of the schools is over, uh, we might still have to face the you know, social turbulence. And I hope that government. Uh, actually, I, I think they have to be very serious about that. Uh, it will be a torture for the society if uh, the government cannot 
uh, realize that they should do something positive to solve the you know, sort of uh, conflicts. Okay, and what's, uh, what's happening with the, with, with the universities? I was hearing suggestions that some of the universities are basically giving up this academic year and they're going to say, well, we'll, we'll start again in, you know, in September. Um, is, that, is that the case? And is it likely that schools will follow in that case? I think uh, uh, it might not be uh, correct to say it got, uh, could go that far because you know, they are still using uh, they are still using the online teaching, uh, so they haven't given up uh, the, the whole academic year. But I think it's right to say that, that they have given up you know, the face-to-face teaching. Hmm. Okay. Well, Ed Kinyo, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us this morning, the education sector uh, lawmaker. Many thanks to uh, Henry Tong, chairman of the Committee on uh, Homeschool Cooperation, and uh, very nice to hear from the teachers uh, as well. They're usually teaching at uh, this time of day, so it's uh, very nice to hear directly from them. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, one more comment. Uh, let's see, just a comment from uh, Pete in an email. Uh, who says, what is Macau's secret? They've only had 10 cases since forever, and now all of them have recovered. That comes from Pete, and that kind of leads us into uh, our topic in the second part of the programme today. We'll be talking about uh, public health measures. Uh, Kenji Fukuda from the University of Hong Kong, the professor there uh, from public health, will be uh, talking to us. Uh, Any questions you've got on public health um, uh, measures uh, in Hong Kong uh, and uh, around the world, uh, please give us a call, 233-88266. We'll put you on it, and you can put your your questions and comments directly uh, to him. Uh, And uh, before that, the latest weather information, it's going to be mainly cloudy. There will be some bright periods today with a couple of light rain patches this morning, coastal mist tonight. Temperatures up to about 23 degrees today and the outlook, it's going to be foggy and humid tomorrow and the weather will improve, uh, say the observatory, in the following couple of days. And the latest readings at the moment, the air temperature at 19 Celsius and the relative humidity is now up at 86%. Back with more in three minutes' time. Violence, saying foreign governments should not interfere in the SER's internal affairs. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Thursday morning with Anna Fenton and uh, me, Hugh Chiverton. We were talking in the first part of the programme about uh, education aspects of the uh, virus situation uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, uh, and uh, we're going to be turning to uh, uh, overall public health measures in, in Hong Kong and around the world as well uh, 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 between now and uh, 9.30. We're joined by uh, Kenji Fukuda, who's Director and Clinical Professor in the Division of Community Medicine and Public Health Practice at the University of Hong Kong. We've got any questions, especially on uh, public health uh, measures. Uh, do uh, share them by calling us on 233-88266 or you can email backchat at rthk.hk. We'll read out your comments and your questions or you can go to our facebook page that's backchat and rthk radio 3 and uh, everyone can see your thoughts uh there okay just in relation to our first discussion today uh anna you mentioned the issue of, of bullying uh pete uh concurs he says my wife is using zoom uh with 29 six-year-olds she's a teacher presumably uh and mutes all her students uh unmuting only those she asks question of or when they put their hands up to contribute i can't see much opportunity for bullying there uh she does unmute them all at the end so they can say goodbye to each other uh that comes uh from pete 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure that everyone's using the same platform, but my understanding is that... So are they muted from each other or are they... No, the, 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 I've heard of a couple of cases where the teacher isn't able to hear the chat between the kids mm. that's going on, but all of the kids can hear it. Mm. So it can be going on without the teacher being aware. Mm. Okay. Is that the... I don't know about the technical... Uh, yeah, whether, whether she's just muting them so she can't hear them or whether they, they really can't hear each other uh, with Zoom. OK, um, and Andrew F. says, uh, in relation to one of our callers, uh, Mr. Tang, um, who also emails, uh, Andrew F. says, you're spot on about Mr. Tang's emails. Hugh, always very thoughtful, balanced and well argued. I actually bookmarked one for future reference. Good to hear him on the programme. Mr. Tang for CE. Make Hong Kong great again. That comes uh, from Andrew F. Thank you very much indeed uh, for those comments. Let's go now to uh, Professor Fukuda. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us today. Um, first off, I guess the headlines are about, some of the headlines are about this issue of the pandemic, the WHO declaring this, this outbreak to be a pandemic. Um, what does that lead to? What does that mean? What does that signify? Um, in, in terms of actual steps for countries, it doesn't really signify much. I mean, it doesn't call for any new actions, but... What it is, I think, is uh, ratchets up the sense of seriousness of the overall outbreak around the world. Is that supposed to get America's attention? I don't think it's directed at America uh, directly. I, I think that uh, WHO in these situations will monitor what's going on around the world. And when it senses that all governments need to be, uh, you know, um, shaken up, I think, a bit is a good way to think about it. They will go ahead and make a declaration like this, but it's aimed probably at every government to tell them, you know, be ready. Because they made some fairly sweeping, scathing comments, didn't they, without naming any names? Well, again, I think that, you know, WHO's job is, or one of its jobs is really to uh, stimulate and push countries to get as ready as possible. And so, uh, again, I see comments really directed at uh, all countries. So how do you account for the, what we see as quite blatantly differing policies? <clears throat> Sorry. Um, like, take France. Macron is being incredibly laid back about this, whereas Italy is, is going gangbusters, shutting everything, and yet they're right beside each other. How, how does this work? Well... Uh, one way to look at it is that, in essence, everybody in the world is trying to do the same thing. You know, for example, in, in the very basics, uh, reduce the number of new infections occurring, either coming in from other countries or occurring in your own country. But how you do that differs tremendously. You know, what you can do in one country is different than another country in terms of the culture of the country, in terms of the political system. And so it's like many things. We can see neighbors with very different politics and very different approaches. Mm. Yeah, it's talk talking of neighbors, we had an email from uh, Pete saying, what's Macau's secret? They've only had 10 cases and now all of them have recovered. Uh, Macau seems to have got off very lightly. Do you have any observation on that, uh, Professor Fakuda? No, I, I, you know, one of the interesting things about outbreaks is that how they uh, impact uh, groups is not uniform. You know, if we look at another in, uh, disease like influenza, we can have two towns in the same area and one can have high rates and the other can have low rates. And it's not uh, necessarily what's going on specifically in terms of control measures. 
it's just how infectious diseases are. I think both places, Macau and SAR, are trying to do, again, the same basic things, keep the infections low. What about school closures? We were talking about that, you know, in the first part. Um, some places have had school closures. I don't think many or any have had such extensive school closures as Hong Kong. Do you think they're a useful measure? Do you think they're effective? How do you rate what's happened in here? Yeah, this is one of the tough issues for everybody. And the reason why it's tough is that there is no really clear scientific evidence to direct everybody about what to do. And so... In essence, countries, governments, cities have to make a choice. Are they going to err on the side of trying to uh, keep infections low, or are they going to err on the side that they want to, uh, you know, keep students in school and minimize the disruption to communities? And I think that, you know, in Hong Kong, what we've seen is that the city and the government have really put together a whole group of interventions, including school closures. It's not in isolation. And the whole package has worked pretty well. Uh, but it's very hard to tease out right now the specific impact of school closures. Uh, okay. Uh, we've had an email, for instance, from Mr. Pink, who says, the Hong Kong government must act more decisively now to stem the rising threat of imported coronavirus cases. The quarantine measures thus far announced are grossly inadequate, highlighted two days ago by the ridiculous policy to only focus on select regions in France, Spain and Germany, rather than impose a blanket ban on the entire countries. Hong Kong should follow the example set by China yesterday to implement mandatory 14-day quarantine on all inbound travellers, regardless of where they've flown from. Uh, while this would inevitably result in more short-term pain for the local economy, the actual incremental negative impact would, also, would be relatively minor, given that tourist virals have already collapsed to a trickle. That comes from Mr Pink. Uh, what about that? Uh, mandatory implement mandatory 14-day quarantine on all inbound travellers. Would that be... What, what do you think about that as a measure? Yeah, I don't think it's as simple as sort of copying one, one area, copying what another area does. I think that everyone has to sort of uh, make the judgments themselves about how they want to balance the risk of having new infections come in versus the risk of having, uh, you know, economic and social impacts. And I think that if we look at Hong Kong, which has gone through the demonstrations last year and then the coronavirus this year, you know, the, the impact on the city has been really considerable. And I think that uh, trying to minimize that is also part of the overall package for responsibly handling the outbreak. Mm. Okay, our number is 233-88266. Um, we've got a call on the line. I think it's Mike. Mike, good morning. I was just uh, going to question your presenter as uh, if she had some kind of implication that America wasn't doing its job. Well, uh, that's up for conjecture, isn't it, Mike? Well, it, they, they've you, sat on it for several can, can weeks. You, can you tell me? You tell me where you think they're falling short. Well, I think it was um, as they admitted that there was a lack of testing kits, wasn't there? And there's been some issue with supply, and and unfortunately, the corollary of that is you can't if you can't test, you don't know your numbers. Well, uh, uh, oh, you, so you think the rest of the world is doing testing, and they actually know their actual numbers? No, not at all. It's just that you know, Mr. If Trump. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I know, but you. you if there is a, if there is a uh, an emergency and there aren't any kids, 
How can you blame a how can how can you blame a country for not doing its job? Well, they're going I th- to have they're going to have two million. I just saw on the news today they're going to be able to produce two million kits a day. So uh, let me, Mike. Let me put it like this: what the things that Donald Trump has been saying have been, and this has been going on, of course, for a couple of months. Donald Trump stopped in let uh, stopped in, uh, people from coming from China mm-hmm. into the United States when he was being criticized for that way back in February. Mm-hmm. What, what I was going to say was, uh, uh, what he's been saying has been pretty relaxed, isn't it, compared to other people? He's been, the message has been pretty been, much been, we've got this, uh, it's okay, it's going to go away, everyone stay calm. Um, That's exactly right, and isn't mm-hmm. that the way it should be? Isn't it the fact that when when people get all excited about this and they're pushing it to the point where where how how really serious is this illness or is this just another one of the uh, 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 media outlets throughout the last how many years that we're going to look back on 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 the bird flu on the on uh, uh, all the, you know, the the scare tactics that organizations like WHO love to keep people under suspense. The reason, and I, when I first heard this outbreak, and WHO came out and said, "We need eight hundred and seventy-five million dollars right now, or you're going to pay a lot more later. So please help us fill our coffers." Uh huh. You, you're saying that they've uh, overblown this disease, exaggerated this disease, so that they can get more money. I here's the here's the problem. Saying? Here's the problem with calling with with screaming wolf too many times, and I think that they have been screaming wolf for the last ten years. When every when uh, 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 we haven't seen millions and millions fall over fall over dead. Uh, okay, um, uh, Professor Fukuda, do you want to respond to that? You're the expert. Yeah, I think that you know the uh, the inherent difficulty of outbreaks is that at the time you can do something, which is at the earlier parts of it, you don't know how it's going to end up. You know that's true for every large outbreak over the last centuries, and so uh, you know basically everyone has to make a choice: do you deal with it? Or do you, you know, you can take a laissez-faire attitude and just say, let it go through, and then let's pick up the pieces afterwards. The, but, um, um, but most places really, uh, you know, do want to take uh, action ahead of time, and these are discussions which take place over decades. The common cold, what is the effect, what is the affected virus? Just your, your common colds that we've been having for, for generations. Yeah, the common cold is caused by a group of viruses. There's no but, single virus which causes know, the cold. But, but, but you don't want to say the coronavirus. It is a coronavirus. is 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 one of the major uh, is one of the major culprits in just your common cold. Yeah, and what's your point, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Coronaviruses are a family of viruses, and some of them cause the cold, and some of them cause SARS. Some of them cause this coronavirus. They're a big That's group. exactly right. And so we go back to the we go back to the experts, and 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 I and I mentioned James Robb on uh, uh, about a week ago, and uh, I continue to read his. He's been researching the coronavirus since the 1970s. 
and I've been reading and continue to read what he says about prevention of the coronavirus, the seriousness of the coronavirus. Yeah, and, 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 and what's your point, Mike? The point is, how many of you, as the presenters, how many of you have read and tried to keep up with it? I mean, you had the perfect opportunity this morning when the teachers came on and they were so concerned about not having enough masks to cover their students because the mask is going to be uh, the difference between life and death. And to educate, you had the best opportunity to educate the teachers at that time as to what the masks actually do. They stop us coughing and sneezing all over other people, I think, is the basic function of the mask, we now no, realize. No, it's not. The basic function of the mask is for your is for your self-infection, like you put your hand on something and then you pick your nose. Mm. And so the mask helps you to remember, don't touch your face. We subconsciously okay. touch our face many times a day, and that's the best, that's what the, the okay. mask helps you. All right, uh, we've we have talked about masks many, many, many times, but but yeah, uh, uh, I don't think that I, it's our place to teach the teachers about masks. But Mike, uh, once again, <laughs> thanks for your call two three three eight eight two six six. If you want to comment, and thank you to uh, Mr. Pink for just alerting us to some breaking news that um, America has suspended all travel between the US and Europe. That's the uh, CNN headline. Uh, it will suspend travel to and from Europe for the next 30 days due to the coronavirus, but makes an exception for the UK. I'm just reading from the CNN uh, page, so I don't know uh, any, any more than that. Uh, Professor Fukuda, what what do you make of that? Do you think that's a uh, useful move, sensible move? Um, that's a pretty dramatic move. And, it is, and, yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to have a, a big impact and whether it's going to really stem the uh, you know flow of infection both ways from the u.s to europe and from europe to the u.s um you know is is debatable but uh you know i i think that it's uh, i'm a little bit surprised that that sweeping of a move has been made well that kind of raises more questions than it answers doesn't it because if you for example got somebody coming in from france into the uk who's then transiting on to america how are you going to treat that passenger yeah no it raises a lot of questions i mean i think the whole the whole approach of using travel restrictions i think that if it's done on a selective basis for a period of time can have some shorter term uh you know uh, probably beneficial effects in reducing infection but over the long time over the long term that's questionable and it's very very uh, adversely impactful to all countries after a while mm. 30 days is quite a long time to suspend travel isn't it i mean and the connection between europe and the united states that's one of the busiest uh, uh connections in the world isn't it you look at where the flights yeah. are yeah, definitely. And for especially for people, it's a very long time. But, you know, for the outbreak, if the outbreak continues worldwide for months and uh, then, you know, 30 days in, in the context of, of a many month outbreak is also relatively short. So it's a very uh, it's a tough situation, Colin, uh, you know, stopping traffic for that extent. 
It's a strange one, isn't it? Because I can't help wondering if they include Ireland in this because Ireland has U.S. Well, immigration. But Ireland has U.S. immigration and a lot of people would go to America via Ireland to clear immigration in Ireland. So that's a big transit point too. Yeah, as I say, the, the, the CNN headline, that's all I'm going from at the moment, did say except UK. I've no idea why that would be an exception or whether that's Well, whether America's that's geography true. isn't always that good. Maybe they include Ireland in that sometimes. <laughs> You're speaking to an American here, by the way. <laughs> what What do you think of the of the American uh, measures? Because I mean, a lot of people sort of said, uh, you know, there's a lot of people said China's being brutal but effective, and America is kind of all over the place. They haven't got the public health uh, awareness. They haven't got the public health system that will, um, you know, lend itself to this to the kind of control um, necessary for for proper, uh, you know, shutting down the disease. What do you think of the way that the U.S. has been handling it so far, Mr. Fukuda? Well, I mean, again, I think the the way to look at this is that the the basic goals, the public health goals, the scientific principles that you can apply, are the same everywhere, but how you actually implement them will change a lot from place to place. You know, a place like Hong Kong is relatively small. A place like the United States is very big, and it has a quite different political system than China. And, you know, how states handle things are different from each state. And so um, I think that it's uh, they did have trouble with the tests in the beginning, uh, it would be good for them to increase the number of tests. It would be good for uh, the communications to become more consistent, which they have become over the last few days. Uh, but I think that the way the U.S. public health system is is that a lot of the calls will be made locally, and it's just how the U.S. is culturally and politically, and so I think everyone just has to live with that. But isn't this kind of a flight ban closing the door after the horse has bolted? No, I, I think that, you know, the language of containment and mitigation makes it sound like we have two choices, either try to keep things out or keep things in and then uh, mitigate. But in reality, all of the measures that we have, like maybe reducing travel or asking people to stay at home when they're sick or, uh, you know, not holding large meetings, uh, these are the measures that we have available to us without a vaccine. When, once we have a vaccine, then the picture will change again dramatically. But until we have a vaccine, those are the measures that we have. And so, you know, you apply them early in the outbreak. We're going to be applying them in the middle and later parts of the outbreak also because uh, it's the best way simply to reduce infected people and uninfected people from coming into contact with each other. Is, is there, I mean, you, you were sort of suggesting this slightly uh, earlier on, is there a kind of random element in all of this as well that uh, you get, if you, you happen to get a cluster and it can be linked to, um, you know, a school trip or a, a temple or pretty much anything, and if that happens to happen where, or, you know, or a cruise liner or whatever, if that happens to happen where there are old people, where there are susceptible people, you, you, get a, you get a sudden outbreak, you get a sudden concentration, and it looks like a country's measures are, are ineffective or whatever, but that might not just be the case. It might just be just yeah, one of those things. Exact, you're exactly right. I, I, I think that people focus a lot on what a government says it will do, and then they'll criticize that government one way or the other. But the reality is, is that 
uh, different countries have different kinds of populations. Some have many more older people, others younger people. You can have uh, gatherings, whether they're related to churches or meetings or commercial enterprises. And if you happen to have an outbreak in one of them, it can uh, really look very bad in that country. But those kinds of meetings can occur anywhere. And so I think that there is clearly an element of chance and there's simply the fact that how people in different countries live and the, the structure of the population is different and so all of those things contribute to different uh, appearances uh, during an outbreak. So if you had a crystal ball now, where would you say we are with this in Hong Kong? Are we expecting the second wave or are we out of the woods, would you say? Well, I think that what has happened is that in Hong Kong, you know, we're now about seven weeks or seven weeks plus from the first case that was identified in the middle part of January. And I think that the city actually has done a really very good job at keeping the number of infections low. What has changed is that the global context has changed a lot. Instead of a huge amount of activity occurring in mainland, we're now seeing activity occur in many different countries around the world. And so it's become a much more complicated environment. And it means that Hong Kong now has to shift its attention to uh, how do you keep infections as low as possible coming in from other countries, many other countries, but at the same time, how do you bring the community back to uh, you know, normal life as much as possible. The economic impact has been huge. The emotional toll has been huge. And I think that uh, restoring the city back to some normal level of activity is also an important aspect of this. Yeah, I mean, people have talked about that, that we need to kind of move on and, and we've got to calculate the risk and maybe we won't be 100% safe uh, in every respect, but we've got to make an effort to get back to normal. So you're... You're, you're, you're echoing that? Yeah, no, I very much feel that way. And, mm. and, and I think what it means is that we maybe are going to establish a kind of new normal. I mean, people are probably mm. much more aware about washing their hands and probably people who have a respiratory infection, regardless of what it is, are going to be much more careful about trying to, uh, you know, keep from going to work or wherever and, and, and keeping other people safe. So those things... Um, may well be one of the legacies of this whole COVID uh, episode. And if so, that's probably beneficial. Okay, well, there's an email from John uh, who says, uh, a policy of zero tolerance must be put in place in order to get a result of zero increase in cases. Hong Kong still has cases reported daily, so lock down everything for 30 days, spray every inch of the city, and all passengers coming in must be quarantined or not allow it in at all. Forget the economy, forget the opening of schools and public facilities, kill the virus immediately. It's very simple. That comes uh, from John, uh, who says also says, listening to all the experts, they all say no one knows how far this can go, and everyone is overanalyzing just implement a total world lockdown. That's the smartest way to go. That's that's John. Do you do you have a message for John, Professor Vegeta? Yeah, I, I think that's a little bit extreme. I mean, you know, if we if we're realistic about what are the things that we need to think about, uh, even in an outbreak, the outbreak is part of it. But we have a lot of other things that we have to keep our eyes on. You know, we we do need to have. 
um, activity going on. We do need to have contact with other people. The economic situation, the uh, other activities that we have to um, maintain, uh, you know, all of, uh, you know, societies simply have to, to do a lot of things while they're dealing with an outbreak. And so uh, it would be simple if you could simply say that's the only thing that we have to worry about and let's just lock everything down, but I don't think it's realistic. Mm, okay, some more comment. Uh, S says, President Trump may be playing down the effects of the coronavirus, but at the same time, a lot was going on behind the scenes to help mitigate the effects of the virus. He was already announcing about border closures to certain countries. That's uh, from S. Uh, on masks, um, Mr. Singh says, you can find adults' masks for a price five to eight times more than normal, but you find kids' masks even for ten times more price. I prefer to lose a year of my kids' study. Um, government, please don't make another stupidity. That comes from, from Mr. Singh. And on the issue of the, uh, we were just talking about with Zoom and the uh, bullying uh, online, and we had the teacher, um, uh, uh, Pete, uh, saying he uh, his wife does turn off chat between the students, so as well as she can't hear them. I mean, they right, hear right. Them. they're muted. They're muted uh, in between each other as well. So thanks, thanks for that correction. And Jay says, despite what they say about using the mask, this has reduced a lot of general flu amongst the old. Therefore, it's released and made a lot more beds available in the hospitals, as we found out in SARS. Much as many of us are angry with the government, they've actually done a reasonable job in Hong Kong at the moment, closing the borders and reducing the amount of infection. Unlike America... And England, of which maybe the government is trying to reduce the population so they don't have to pay pensions and medical expenses in the future. Uh, says Jay. Oh, that's a bit harsh. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, this is another one. This is from uh, Paul, uh, who uh, has a link to a story which says US catching up, question mark. Um, sorry, I haven't had time to, to, to look at that. Um, Professor Fukuda, I know you choose your words carefully and you don't, you, <clears throat> you're very careful about their politics, but here's an indiscreet question for you. Um, in Hong Kong, if we have been relatively successful, how much of that is down to the administration and how much is that is down to the general public? I think Hong Kong is one of the places in the world which I've seen, and I've worked on outbreaks in a lot of different countries around the world, um, Hong Kong is one of the places which has really learned from the past. You know, having gone through uh, different outbreaks like uh, various versions of, of bird flu and then SARS and, and so on, uh, I think the public here is really very aware about outbreaks and it takes them seriously and so it listens to uh, what health authorities say uh, with a you know with a lot of seriousness and. On the same side, I've seen that the government over years has uh, taken care to build up the foundations, you know, the, the scientific foundations are strong here. The health system foundations have been greatly strengthened since SARS. And so I would have to say that both the public and the government have made good efforts over the past several years. And it really shows to me in this uh, current episode. There have been a lot of criticisms, there'll continue to be a lot of criticisms, but if you push away, um, you know, the politics from the situation and just look at it as a, as a disease control and prevention issue, I would say that both the, uh, both the government and the public, in, in effect, have done a good job. 
Okay. Well, Professor Fukuda, thank you very much indeed for joining us today, answering all the questions. Kenji Fukuda, the uh, Director and Clinical Professor in the Division of Community Medicine and Public Health Practice at the University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Anna, many thanks to you. And the weather, mainly cloudy with bright periods. A couple of light rain patches this morning. Coastal mist at night. Temperatures up to about 23 degrees. The outlook foggy and humid tomorrow. And the weather will improve in the following couple of days. 19 degrees now. Relative humidity is at 86%. To prevent the spread of disease, make sure all drainage traps contain water. Pour half a litre of water into each drain outlet every week. Check sinks, baths, toilets and floor drain outlets regularly. If drainage pipes are leaking or blocked, or drain outlets emit a foul smell, arrange prompt inspection and repair by a qualified person. Don't alter drains and pipes on your own. Visit chp.gov.hk for details. 933, the news now with Samantha Butler. President Trump says the United States will ban all travel from Europe for 30 days starting Friday to stop the spread of the coronavirus outbreak. Speaking from the Oval Office, he blamed the European Union for not acting quickly enough to address the foreign virus and said U.S. clusters were seeded by European travellers. Health authorities here say it's no surprise the World Health Organization has for the first time declared the coronavirus outbreak a pandemic. The controller of the Center for Health Protection, Dr. Wong Ka-hing, says the declaration won't change Hong Kong's response or measures to combat the virus. And Tokyo's stocks are down more than 3% following sharp falls on Wall Street as fears intensify about the new coronavirus. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. <laughs> The news is done and back chats through. And so it's time for the morning brew, yeah. Got special guests here in to speak. To maybe help you plan your week, yeah. They know just what is going on. Around Kowloon and Old Hong Kong. all been working with different concepts. Social media, they ridicule people, they come on the radio. Oh, he's that's tricky, he's a tricky one. But he's so eclectic. I think that this may actually save the royal family. So pass the word on right away. Pass the word on right away. Mid-mornings on our THK. Monday to Friday, every day. It's big, it's bad, it's just for you. Must have the kettle boiling too. It's Philip Whelan's morning brew. It's time now for the morning brew. <laughs> It is Thursday on Morning Brew. Hello, good morning. Great to be back with you. So, as normal, journo and commentator Steve Vines back with us at 10.10 today with all the latest scores on Hong Kong's doors. 